I moved to Portland and decided I missed design. And essentially what I did was I kind of designed my own education from that point. I I was a little tired of taking classes that I felt didn't really help me, um, you know, and especially in private colleges, they're going to make you take a lot of classes that you might not necessarily need. Um, and uh, because I wasn't getting government funding and because I already had a degree and I wasn't necessarily going for the piece of paper, I was going for um, an education and for networking. I was really able to kind of pick and choose what I wanted to learn. And um, so I chose things that that spoke to me. And as a result, uh, yeah, I was able to to meet people who were doing at that time what I wanted to do. And that's kind of when it all clicked. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Welcome to the show and thank you for listening. We've got a great show for you today. We've got Juliette Montalone, who's the senior user experience architect and visual designer for Facebook. Strange way we got to the show today. I met Juliette on a plane. So talk about serendipity. We just had a conversation. And I said, wait a second. Everyone needs to know what you do. If you're into art, you're into design, maybe you like psychology, maybe you like business, Juliet may have the path for you. She's going to talk about how all of her experiences have contributed to her creative pool. We're going to get into her path, which was a path of patience and a path of saying no to the naysayers, a path where she became an explorer. She became a career explorer and followed her passion to a wonderful career ensuring that people stay engaged with the different digital platforms they engage with. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Juliet Montaloni, thank you so much for making time out of your busy schedule to record the show with me today. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence. And as I always do, I want to start off with what is your definition of excellence? Well, thank you for having me. Um, So when I think about excellence, um, for me, what it means is when I put something into something like a passion or an interest and effort, and then I get something meaningful back. it doesn't have to be like uh, a huge recognition, global recognition, or a really big deal, but just that I'm making some sort of meaningful impact. Um, and that can be a really small thing. Um, as long as it's making a positive impact, I think uh, it kind of defines excellence. Wow. Well, by that definition, you are the most excellent airplane uh, C1D <laughs> sitter in the world. This is the strangest uh, introduction to a podcast ever. Juliet and I met on an airplane. 
We were flying to two different places, just happened to sit in seats next to each other. Of course, I had to ask her what she does for a living. And my mind was blown away because I didn't know anything about it. So you made an excellent impact on me. And what you get for it is I'm going to take an hour of your time today. So thank you very (laughs) much. So outside of that example, um, do you think of yourself as an excellent friend? Do you get meaningful impact back from friendships or does it only apply to work? How does it apply at work and socially? Yeah, I think it, I think it's both. Um, definitely. If you, if you put into an effort into any type of relationship um, and you get something back, I would call that, you know, excellence. I would say that that's something that's working and, and it goes for work as well. Um, you know, a lot of times we're measured at work by the impact that we have. So whether that's actually moving some data points um, or making more money or whatever the metrics you're using for success, um, it's usually um, what kind of impact that you're bringing to the table. And in your career, there's a lot of metrics of your impact. You're working on user experience on different digital platforms. You're getting direct feedback almost immediately on how excellent your work is, correct? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, sometimes it can be hard to quantify. Um, we, you know, we make assumptions a lot of times and um, we do a lot of studies. Um, and sometimes you just have to kind of have blind faith and try something and see how it comes back. Um, but yeah, we, we use a combination of both qualitative and, and quantitative um, research methods to kind of get an idea of um, what's working and what isn't working. Okay, so I was really excited about getting you on this podcast because you're in a new career and reading your bio, the career began kind of when you started studying it around 2010. Not a lot of people know about your career and there's someone listening right now and he may be my son who's got an artistic (laughs) background, um, very creative and, you know, 19 years old, or maybe they're 25 years old, and they're looking for that path. And as I read through your work history and your bio, you spent some time finding your path. Yes, you went, I did. Yeah. You Did you think you were going to go into fine art? Were you going to be a director of a museum? Where did you see yourself <laughs> in high school? Um, yeah, so I honestly didn't, wasn't looking like that far ahead when I was in high school. It was kind of just like survival. Um, I knew I wanted to do something creative, but, um, like, like you mentioned, what I do now, it, it didn't exist when I was in high school. I mean, there were people doing sort of approximations of it, but it certainly didn't have a name and, um, there wasn't a conversation around it. Um, so when I first, graduated from high school, I, I went to art school and um, I, you know, I, I dabbled in marketing and animation and, you know, they were, they were close, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do. Um, and then I kind of, I fell in love with psychology. And so I pursued that for a while. And that's actually my, my bachelor's is in psychology and um, I have a strong social science background. Um But it wasn't until after that, I I realized I really missed designing and being creative, that the kind of the two of them came together. Um, And so there was a part of me that I knew I was looking for something and I just hadn't found it yet. So, yeah, it it definitely took me a little while uh, to get to the point where I knew what I wanted to do. So art school took how many years to complete at the Academy of Art? 
So I didn't actually complete, but I studied there for two years. So you're there for two years and you're sitting there and you love art. You've always loved art. You love creativity. What was it that caused you to say, wait a second, I'm going to move cities. I'm going to go down to Las Vegas. I'm going to join UNLV and pursue a psychology. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I was studying marketing and I read this book on neuromarketing and um, I fell in love with neurology and I just, it, it was kind of like the piece that had been missing for me um, that connects like our brains to design, like how we interpret design, how we interact um, with things around us. And I think that really fueled a passion for trying to understand how the how all the chemicals and the synapses uh, work in our brain um, and how um, we interpret uh, and create. And so is it a gut feeling that you have because you follow your yeah. passion to UNLV? So it is a gut yeah, feeling. It was a gut feeling and um, it was scary. It was definitely scary because I remember in high school, everyone was like, you kind of have to have a plan. I think my parents were really worried about me. I got the sense that they didn't think I <laughs> I was even you know, going to get accepted into a good college. Uh, I remember one point my parents suggested like I start golfing and get a golf scholarship just shows how little they knew me at the time I hadn't picked up a club ever in my life um (laughs) but yeah I mean it was a risk it was a gamble but I guess for me it was I always knew I just I had to do something that I that I was interested in because you I just really believe you can't be good at something you can't excel at something unless you have a real interest in it So you have this interest in art, you read this book on neuromarketing and you, and you're serendipitous. You're open to this new passion. You face your fears, you head down to UNLV, you get yourself a degree in psychology, but you hadn't quite figured it out yet. Right. So then you're back at art school again in Portland. What was that transition about? Yeah. So I, I moved to Portland and decided I missed design And essentially what I did was I kind of designed my own education from that point. I I was a little tired of taking classes that I felt didn't really help me, Um, you know, and especially in private colleges, they're going to make you take a lot of classes that you might not necessarily need. Um, And uh, because I wasn't getting government funding and because I already had a degree and I wasn't necessarily going for the piece of paper, I was going for um, an education and for networking. I was really able to kind of pick and choose what I wanted to learn. And um, so I chose things that that spoke to me. And as a result, uh, yeah, I was able to to meet people who were doing at that time what I wanted to do. And that's kind of when it all clicked. What got what gave you the idea to go back there after you're already done with two schools, you're six years in or five years in, what pushed you to go back to that environment where you're going to be able to choose and pick and get those opportunities? I mean, it was it was a couple of different reasons. One, it was 2008 and I couldn't find a job. Okay, okay. <laughs> so there was always, hey, let's go back to school. Okay. Um, uh, two, I just, I missed being creative and I knew I wanted to work in a creative space. Um, and so I, I was just open. Like I, I really didn't, it's hard to say it, but I didn't really have a plan. I, I wanted to see where it might lead me. 
Well, I think that that is exactly where most people listening to this show live. I mean, I don't think most people like your high school friends said have a plan. And if they do have a plan, the plan's wrong. I wanted to be a lawyer. I would be the worst lawyer in the world. <laughs> but it was my plan, right? I was just right, yeah. 18 years old. I didn't know what was out there. That's why we built this podcast. So you're super patient. You're looking for options. You're open to serendipity, but you have this passion in your mind. How did you know that Pat, that your passion was in art? How, how do you recognize you have all these different, you're reading the, the neuro uh, marketing book. Maybe marketing is my passion. Maybe neurology is my passion. Maybe art's my passion. How did you hone in on um, the user experience as your passion? Um, I th- yeah, I think it was like a combination of things. I, I knew that I loved to create. Um, uh, whether it was a painting or a piece of writing or whatever it might be. Um, and so I took this class and it was sort of, uh, it was kind of like a UX class. I don't remember the title of it, but they had someone come in and basically she gave a presentation. She was a freelance designer. And essentially what she did was she would take things like research, like psychological research and, um, you know, tried to understand how people interact with software and with design. And then she would create designs out of that. And and for me, that was kind of like the clicking of the two different areas that I was really interested in. So it kind of combined um, sort of all those interests into one. Um, But yeah, it was difficult because it's hard to, when you're looking for something and you know it's somewhere, but it's not really a field of study yet. Yeah. And and even if it is a field of study, I ask uh, people all the time, how many careers do you know of? And the average answer is 30. So even if it is a field of study, most people don't notice, but you knew what your passions were. You knew you were creative. You knew you love psychology. You know, you knew you love marketing. You knew you love neurology. You knew you kind of had the science thing. You knew you were a people person. So you, you have an understanding. And if you're listening right now and you don't know what you want to do, welcome to the club. If you're listening right now and your parents want you to go pick up a golf club and get a golf scholarship, welcome to the club. Your parents don't know what you want to do. Your parents don't have any idea. They're not going to be able to help you out. Your friends don't, but you can help yourself out if you think about what are you passionate about? What do you love? What are your skill sets? And maybe even write them down and then be open to opportunities. So this woman, Elena Moon, comes as a guest lecturer and all of a sudden you realize what you do is what I want to do. Yes. And I walked up to her and I told her that. And I, I told her, I've been looking for this for a long time. Exactly what you're doing. This is what I want to do. And so you're still, I assume, in contact with her. You're still friends. Um, I think we are friends on LinkedIn. I haven't chatted with her in, in several years. So how did the, the the relationship foster there? Was it just this eye-opening experience? You said hi, and then you went in that direction, or did it become more of a mentorship? Um, yeah, no, I just I just told her, and she had a she had a colleague who was hiring um, at a dev shop in Portland, Oregon, and so she put me in touch with her friend, and that was my inter- first interview in the field of UX design. So you had the guts to ask. And you made the impression that she would refer you to a friend. Yes. And the thing is, is like normally, and especially throughout high school, I was very timid. I was always afraid to like just go up to people and talk to them and ask them things. But I think at this point, um, 
I was so confident in the feeling that I cared about this. Like I wanted this. Um, and so for some reason that just kind of melted away my fear. Um, it's the same with like public speaking. If I know I'm passionate about something, I'm able to get up and do it um, because I really believe in it. And I think, um, and so that that's kind of what gave me uh, the strength to just kind of like go up and tell her, like, help me. I, I want to do what you're doing. And I wonder if all that, that I, I was going to say searching, I was going to say fishing, but I'm going to use the word exploring. I wonder if all the exploring, without the exploring, you wouldn't have been ready. Had you not gone to the Academy of right. Art, had you not gotten a psychology degree, I don't, would you have been ready when Elena walked in the room? No, probably not. <laughs> and it's a path, right? So I think a lot of times when we're young, we think we got to figure it out. And our friends are telling us, you got to get a plan. And I have a plan and you don't have a plan. So we have all this pressure, but sometimes we've just got to slow down, try a few things figure what we like, what we don't like, figure what the little elements of what we like and what we don't like are. So we're ready for that aha moment when the Elena moons of the world walk into our lives. Exactly. Yeah. And you're not wasting your time. Like I think a lot of people go, oh, I, I've done this for a while. I've, I've wasted some time. You're not. that. All of your experiences and everything that you learn is contributing to the creative pool that you pull from eventually, um, just making all of those connections. So, I mean, I'm always a big advocate of like living spherically, you know, having a lot of hobbies, um, participating in things you wouldn't normally uh, because you don't know when you're going to be able to or when those things might become inspiring in another part of your life or when you can draw upon those experiences to help you um, in your career. It is exploring then. It's exploring through, patiently exploring through opportunities. And how many people, when you went from two years at one school to four years at another school, back to another <laughs> school, how many people gave you shit? Said, what are you doing? Why don't you have a plan? How much, how much grief did you take for that? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, I think that mostly people, I mean, people who care about you are going to be worried for you, you know. Um, but here's the big thing is, you know, don't wait for permission from anyone. Don't ask anyone for, for permission to follow what feels right to you. You know, you don't you don't need that. Um, give yourself the permission to do it. And um you know, you don't have to rely on a parent or a mentor or um, a teacher or anything to kind of tell you, hey, this path is a good path. You know, um, if you feel strongly about it and you're figuring it out, um, you just give yourself that permission. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. 
To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. So you said timid when you described yourself uh, in your younger years. Was it timid or was it quiet? Because you don't sound timid to me. You, you sound <laughs> I was super quiet. confident. You're quiet. Yeah, I was, I was quiet. I wasn't confident because I think I, I didn't really know what I wanted. And, um, I think that kind of scared me more than anything, but yeah, I was, I was quiet. I wasn't ambitious, uh, when I was in high school. So you found yourself late in life. I did. And so was your early person. And I I did a recording the other day with a woman who described herself as nerdy. And now, you know, now she runs a media company in New York and helps musicians and she's anything but nerdy. And I thought, were you really nerdy? Um, you you found yourself when you look back, uh, are, are the person you are today, is that who you were wrapped in a different shell or did you totally change? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's an interesting point. I think there are definitely elements of me that maybe were just wrapped in a different shell. Like I needed to come out of that shell. Um, I needed to find what made me special, what what was interesting to me to kind of draw me out of it. Um, but it was wound pretty tight, I have to say. Okay. <laughs> it took, okay. <laughs> it took a while. It took a while. Wow. To okay. Through that. Yeah. Because you're anything but timid today. And so now you work in uh, the user experience and you're a senior architect and visual designer for Facebook. You worked at Small Society, which has been involved in a bunch of famous apps, and you've worked through retail, grocery, international brands, worked on some international tools that might have even been in other languages in an industry that didn't exist when you went to art school, didn't exist when you went to uh, get your psychology degree, popped up and you found out about it from a speaker in one of your classes. Let us know, since most people listening right now don't know what the user experience is and what it means. Most people listening right now may not have found their path or their Elena Moon. What exactly do you do and how does it tie to your creativity and your psychology? Yeah. So um, user experience design or UX design or UI design, there's still a lot of names and, you know, um, each company that um, they kind of they have their own sort of definition. But essentially what it is, is um, you're designing experiences in software. So I, I liken it to an architect who is creating the blueprints for a building. So essentially a UX designer creates these documents which are called wireframes and they are the blueprints of the software. So essentially you have to work out design problems um, about how where everything's going to go, how might it work, keeping in mind business constraints, um, engineering constraints, um, the goals that you have, and then you you take that wireframe and you pass it off to engineers, and they're the ones that like build it, they code it, and they build it. Um, but yeah, essentially, it's it's um, building that that blueprint of the software. And how is the interaction with the engineers after you've passed off the wireframe? How's the interaction? 
Do you continue to interact? Do you have to go back? Oh, and- yeah. Yeah, no, it's a very collaborative process. And I mean, not every place is as collaborative as others, but I'm a big advocate for being highly collaborative. Um, again, because people have so many different areas of expertise and ideas and that when you work with people from different backgrounds, um, I think it can le- lead to a much stronger design. So something that I might not think of, an engineer would think of and vice versa. And so, um, yeah, I think that it needs to be, you have to have a lot of communication skills uh, for this job because you're working with people with very different backgrounds on a constant basis. And so to come up with the background design for a website, sometimes in your case, it's uh, usually app-based, right? Mm -hmm. To come up with the design what goes into it? How do you know what a good design is? How do you know what's going to work and not work? Is it design it and design a few of them and A-B split test them? Or where do you get the information? How does the psychology play into it? Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 definitely different things. And, and that's one is research. We do rely a lot on research. So we could come up with a few concepts and we test them. We test them with users or we actually go ahead and build it and test it. Um, but as far as just like uh, g- generating the ideas, I mean, they can come from anywhere. And I think that's one of the things that uh, I really love about this career is the creativity aspect. Um, you know, you can be inspired from so many different areas um, and you can bring that to the to this work. And so what inspires you? Where do your ideas come from? Oh, gosh, from all over. Um, I I have a lot of hobbies. Um, I love to paint. I like to play music. I love to dance. Um, And it's interesting because you can start to see connections and relationships between all different parts of your life um, with design. Um, And so, um, for example, like if you're doing I'm doing ballroom dancing right now. Uh, which is a lot of fun. (laughs) Um, But let's say you want to achieve an underarm turn. To achieve an underarm turn with a partner, they have to somehow signal to you what they want you to do. They're not beating you over the head with the information. They're not forcing it upon you. They're giving you some signal, some idea, hey, this is what I want you to do. And it's that kind of uh, subtlety and uh, delicacy that you want to use when it comes to design as well. When you design software, you're not trying to beat someone over the head with, hey, in order to achieve your task, you know, force them through it. You want them, you know, someone's psychology is they want to feel like they're in control when they're performing the task. So you have to design in a way that nudges them, that guides them in a way that still lets them feel like they're accomplishing it. You're just helping them along the way. And there's that fluidity that happens in all different um, creative pursuits. Do you get a writer's block type of experience when you're uh, designing uh, the interfaces that you design? Yes, I think in any creative job, you can get a a block, like a writer's block. I think it's important to remember that you're not starting with nothing. I think this is the key. If you sit down at a blank piece of paper and you're like, I'm starting with nothing, it's unlikely you'll come up with anything. Um, That's a self-perpetuating. So one of my favorite uh, quotes is um, by the father of modern chemistry. Nothing is created. Nothing is destroyed. Everything is transformed. Um, 
and so essentially you're always you always have something to start with um you're looking for basically new combinations but there are infinite combinations to be explored and it's this realization that you are starting with something and all of your life experiences your interests they contribute to your um, creative pursuits so by casting that kind of wide net living spherically you're increasing that creative pool that you draw from and so a lot of times when I have like design block or writer's block you know I suggest go do something different like um if you're like really just focused on one thing like oh I'm I'm going to be a chemist I'm going to be a chemist you know maybe take a diff- take a language class take a dance class you know go ahead and do something different I think it's it's those experiences that you bring something new um to uh to your um job so your path to your job is your job yes <laughs> you, you're open. I love the word exploring. You're exploring. You're patient. Um, you're listening. You're you're studying people. You're communicating, and then it comes to you, and you put it together, and then you go work with others to make it make it happen. Which is really interesting because again, I, I keep coming back to my own son, who's so artistic. And he's uh, great in business and he's made clothing and he's done the Supreme thing. And he made thousands of dollars in high school because he had to buy his own car. And he always figures this stuff out. And I, you know, I'm pressuring him on, you know, what are you going to do? What's your plan? Maybe you should take up golf. I, I keep, pu- <laughs> I keep pushing him in that direction and listening to you. If people are in that situation where they haven't quite figured it out, actually, it's the same thing that happened to me. I was going to be a lawyer. Somebody had me take a job. And next thing you know, I'm a business person. And it just happened. If you're Mm -hmm. patient, you're looking for options, you follow your passions. Eventually it comes to you. And then if you already have a job and you're stuck, are you open? Are you exploring? Are you patient? Because it's the same pattern again and again to create excellence. Exactly. I think it's important to push yourself um, to maybe do things you wouldn't normally do. Um, you might be surprised at kind of like what catches your attention. And so, so you're out there doing something that you normally wouldn't do. And all of a sudden, bing, I can use that. And if you hadn't taken the language class or jumped out of a plane or watched the fish swim or whatever it was that you're doing that day, you wouldn't have had that new experience and that new idea and that new option that may change your life forever. Yeah. And it's actually really common with like inventions and designs. So like, for example, the first um, versions of the bullet trains, you know, they had major issues with emitting like incredibly loud noises when they went through tunnels. And one of the engineers, Nakatsu, he was also an avid bird watcher. And he observed uh, that if you applied the structure of a kingfisher's beak, to the trains. It's not only solved the noise problem, it also increased energy efficiency and permitted faster speeds. Wow. So he was watching the Kingfisher dive in the water and wondered how does that thing get so deep into the ocean? <laughs> Is that right? Do I have the right bird? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you see you seem well read. So in addition to dancing and traveling and going to car races. Are you an avid reader and studier? I do. I love to read. I love to learn. I think that's probably my greatest passion is I love to learn. And it's another reason why I love UX design. Like if you 
are passionate just about learning, UX is a great field for that because with each new design problem or with each project, you're basically asked to kind of become an expert in something new, Um, especially if you do agency work. So, you know, one month you might be working on a dating app and then the next month you might be working on grocery and the next you might be designing an app for lawyers, in which case you you have to kind of learn a lot about that field in order to design for it. So it's kind of exciting in that sense that you you get to experience um, a lot of different um, careers in a sense. So you're at Facebook in the tech world. Would you say that the tech world in general is that way? That you you it's so new and it, and we need people to rise up and be experts in a shorter period of time before and anyone that goes into the tech field should have that thirst for learning. I mean, I think a thirst for learning is is always important and is always helpful. Um, uh, you know. Facebook is a, is a massive company, you know, and so you're going to need people with all different types of expertise, um, you know, from all over, whether it's like research or business or design, you know, all those things play into um, creating an app. Um, but but, but some places are more, uh, some jobs in any company are more similar and more traditional. So if you're in accounting at Facebook or you're in accounting at a construction company or you're in accounting um, in at Lockheed Martin, you're going to be following gap accounting and you probably should still have a thirst for learning, but you might not need to be as creative as an, an inventive as if you were maybe in the sales department or the marketing department or the design department or the engineering department. Is that safe to say? Well, maybe, I don't know. I've never been an accountant, so I can't tell you if it's a creative pursuit or not. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. We might even edit that whole part of the conversation out. Uh, Well, so you got to be surprised at where you are in life or are you not? Are you, are you surprised? Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I guess because I'd never had really a solid plan and I just know that I, I had to do something that I enjoyed and that that was the most important thing to me. I didn't know if it would ever happen. I definitely didn't think that I would be working for such a massive companies like Walmart or Facebook. I um, didn't think I would be a homeowner. I didn't, you know, like I didn't expect a lot of these things to happen. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm quite proud of myself in that sense. Um, that I just kind of followed what I was interested in and what I was passionate about, and that I'm I'm able to do that for a living. I mean. Uh, I feel very lucky. And sometimes the the solid plan might actually be debilitating. Sometimes people are so set in their plan that they miss all these windows for opportunity. Yeah. I think that's honestly, I think that's more the case. I do too. Than it is not. Yeah. I think it can be very limiting. Yeah. And sometimes, sadly, the plan isn't even their plan. Someone else gave them the plan and they're attached to it. They don't see their true path pop up right in front of them. They don't even notice the Elena Moons walk in the room. Exactly. Oh, that's great. Um, Well, I have one last question for you. And it's my favorite question. Uh, And (laughs) and I know that uh, you've got a, a wonderful life now and you get to travel and you work with all these cool people and you go to car races and you're in the pits. Uh, But along the way, you spend a lot of time in school, 
probably got into a lot of arguments with different people that I love how you said it, that had a soft spot in their heart for you, that wanted the best for you, but were worried about your path. What sacrifices did you make when you were young that you'll never regret and you would encourage yourself to take again? <laughs> oh man, sacrifices. Um, I don't know if it was so much sacrifices as it was gambles in a sense. Um, you know, switching, switching schools, switching careers a couple of times, like my path a couple of times, it was a bit of a gamble, um, which I don't regret at all. I just, I, I look back and I really applaud myself for having the bravery to do that because if it's not now it's when, you know, I mean, um, things happen so quickly and go, but I mean, go by so fast, um, that, you know, if not now, when, so I think, I definitely took a few gambles on changing paths, um, but I definitely don't regret that at all. If not now, when? Mm. What a great mantra. And the other mantra, what you do is what I want to do. And I, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a great way to leave it. If you're thinking about what you want to do for a living, and your grumpy old dad sits in his office recording podcasts and tells you what to do, maybe it's time to ignore that path and that plan and go exploring, if not now, when? Well, Juliet, thank you so much for meeting some strange guy on a plane, for <laughs> giving him your phone number, and for making time to share your wisdom and knowledge with the 20-somethings of the world that are balancing on the edge of excellence and waiting to teeter over. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.